Slow Burn Media and Evergreen Podcast presents Who Killed, a podcast that provides a voice for the voiceless. Hello and welcome to this special episode of Who Killed. I am your host, Bill Huffman, and this is a Slow Burn Media and Evergreen Podcast production. On this week's mini episode, I am going to play for you the press conference from the University of Idaho, because currently... There is still no suspects, and the murder weapon is yet to be recovered, and the community is understandably on uh, a complete uh, roller coaster as far as what's going on. And these poor families don't know anything about who committed this crime, and if we can just provide more uh, attention to it, then that's all the best. So this is the latest press conference from the University of Idaho. Good afternoon and welcome. My name is Chief James Fry with the Moscow Police Department. The last spelling of my name is F-R-Y. I'd like to introduce Moscow Police Captain Roger Lanier, Colonel Kedrick Wells of of the Idaho State Police, University of Idaho President Scott Green, Dean of Students for the University of Idaho, Blaine Eccles, and Latok County Prosecutor Bill Thompson. This incident has shaken our community, has continued to shake our community, and we continue to mourn for the victims. We will continue to vigorously pursue the investigation and pursue justice in this case. It is a complex and terrible crime, and it will take some time to resolve. Today, we want to clarify what we know and where we're at in this investigation. Our primary goal is public safety and to get a completion of this case and bring someone to justice. We continue to dedicate all the resources to this investigation. We've had 646 tips received, and all will be processed, vetted, investigated, and cleared. We've done over 90 interviews in this case so far, and the Moscow Police Department is utilizing the assistance from the Idaho State Police, the Federal Bureau of Investigation, and Latok County Sheriff's Office. The personnel that has been assigned to this from the Moscow Police Department is four detectives, 24 officers, and five support staff. Federal Bureau of Investigators, we have 22 investigators in Moscow, 20 additional are assigned and located in the Treasure Valley, Salt Lake City, Utah, and West Virginia. We have two behavior analysis individuals from the Federal Bureau of Investigation. For the Idaho State Police, we have 20 investigators, a public information officer, ISP Forensic Services, and crime scene in a crime scene team. We have 15 uniformed troopers to assist our community to help uh, provide the additional resources um, for our patrols. Detectives are looking to develop any context, um, content that would um, help us in this event. Anyone who has observed any notable behavior or has any video surveillance or can provide relevant information about these murders, please call our tip line at 208-883-7180.
or you can email the tip line at, and that is tipline at ci.mosco.id.us. At this time, I would like to introduce Captain Lanier to uh, give you some additional information. Good afternoon. My name is Roger Lanier. I'm a captain over the operations division for the Moscow Police Department. My last name is spelled L-A-N-I-E-R. Uh, I just want to first state that this tragic murder has shaken the community. It's been very hard for members of the community and it's been equally difficult for our officers and for the investigators. We will continue to put all of our resources towards investigating and bringing this to a resolution. Here's what we've determined so far. On the evening of November 12th, Kaylee Gonzalez and Madison Wogan were at a local bar and were later at a food truck in downtown Moscow. They arrived home at approximately 1.45 a.m. on the morning of November 13th. Ethan Chapin and Zana Kernodal were at the Sigma Chi house before also arriving home at approximately 1.45 a.m. Two surviving roommates were also out in the community and they returned home at approximately 1 a.m. and did not wake up until later that morning. On the morning of November 13th at 11.58 a.m., a 911 call was placed to the Whitcomb Dispatch Center reporting an unconscious person. The call originated from inside the residence and was made from the phone of one of the surviving roommates. Moscow Police Department officers responded and located four victims, two on the second floor and two on the third floor. The Latah County coroners conducted autopsies and detectives have been provided with the results of those autopsies. We know that the autopsies confirmed the identity of the four victims, determined the cause and manner of death as homicide by stabbing, and determined that it was likely all four victims were asleep during the attack. Some of the victims had defensive wounds, and each victim was stabbed multiple times. There was no sign of sexual assault. Investigators have determined two areas of interest within the city and have provided maps which are on our Facebook page and on our website. And these are areas that they have canvassed for additional surveillance video and tips and have contacted several residents in the areas. The areas are generally south of Taylor Avenue to Palouse River Drive and west of Highway 95. Detectives have also canvassed several other neighborhoods looking for evidence, looking for additional surveillance video, and contacting residents and speaking to them to see if they may have heard or seen something. I want to address several areas of speculation, conjecture, and uh, misinformation that has circulated on uh, social media platforms and otherwise. 
we do not believe the following individuals are involved in this crime. The two surviving roommates, a male seen at the grub truck food vendor downtown, specifically wearing a white hoodie, a private party who provided uh, rides home to Kaylee and Madison in the early morning hour of November 13th. Additionally, the identity of the 911 caller and the 911 call have not been released, so any information out there is speculation about that. Investigators are aware that multiple phone calls from Madison and Kaylee's phone were made to a male subject. Any online reports stating that the victims had been tied and gagged are not accurate. Detectives seized the contents of three dumpsters on King Road and searched those dumpsters in an effort to find additional evidence, but nothing of note was discovered. Early in the investigation, local businesses were canvassed in an effort to see if any fixed blade type knives may have recently been purchased. And currently, there are no suspects in custody and we have not located a weapon. I want to assure you that every investigator involved will continue to put all of their resources and all of our partner agencies' resources into continuing this investigation. We do appreciate the community's support. We understand how stressful it is and we will continue to work through this situation. At this time, I would like to turn the mic over to Colonel Wills from the Idaho State Police. Thank you, Captain. My name is Kedrick Wills, K-E-D-R-I-C-K-W-I-L-L-S, and I serve as a director of the Idaho State Police, and I appreciate your attendance this afternoon as we talk about this horrific, horrific crime. The murders of Ethan, Zanna, Madison, and Kaylee are a tragic loss to all of us. Nothing we can do will bring back these young lives. But we have an absolute commitment to working together to solve these senseless murders. And the way that we know how, how to do that is partnerships. And our partnership with the Moscow Police Department, with the Idaho State Police, the Federal Bureau of Investigation, and the University of Idaho to bring these, these, this issue to a conclusion and bring this to justice is absolute. We continue with Idaho State Police resources here on the ground in Moscow and in other, throughout Idaho. Whatever the needs are, that's where we want, what we want to do. And, and uh, the chief spoke about the, re, the Idaho State Police resources that are here. And he spoke about patrol resources. And we have those uniformed troopers here in Moscow and on the campus of the University of Idaho to help people to feel safe and to provide that, that um, sense, that security to the people that are here, both in the student body as well as in the community at large. And we will continue to do that as long as is necessary throughout this time. In addition, that's in addition to our, our uh, forensics team that was, that was here, to in addition to our investigative team and all the other state police resources. We know that people want answers. We want answers too. As was already mentioned, this is really, really difficult for those investigators, those dedicated professionals who are investigating this crime. 
and a lot of people have expressed their desire to help and the best thing that most of people can do to help is to stop with any kind of rumors and just seek official information that comes out of the Moscow Police Department. Anything that we have that we can share from a law enforcement perspective, we will be sharing just as soon as we can because that's how we can, we think that we can get this to conclusion. Please, please um, rely on official sources of information and please be patient. I understand that everybody wishes that this was solved already, but we, we, these things take time. It takes time to work through. You heard the stats of all the, the tips and everything, the, the interviews and everything that's been done. This takes time for our investigators to work through. So please be patient as we work through this investigation. We owe this to these, to these young kids, to these young um, adults. We owe it to them. And we are absolutely dedicated to make sure that that happens. Thank you. At this time, I'd like to introduce the University of Idaho President, President Scott Green. Uh, Scott Green, President of the University of Idaho. Um, last name spelled G-R-E-E-N, like the color. First, we, we continue to extend our heartfelt condolences to the families and friends of the victims. As stated earlier, we want justice and appreciate the increased resources from the Idaho State Police and FBI that have brought, been brought to bear on this crime. We fully appreciate and share the frustration of our students, employees, parents, and community members who continue to push for answers. While we wait for answers in the investigation, we've ramped up our security safety practices and are listening to students and supporting them in any way possible. <clears throat> The University of Idaho's primary focus now is on supporting our students and working to meet their varied needs. The police continue to inform us that they believe this was a targeted attack. But we recognize this is not good enough for some of our students who will want to complete their semester remotely until the person who committed the crime is in custody. We are also hearing that some students want to be back on campus and in Moscow because they gain comfort from the structure of classes and being with their friends and professors. All reactions and feelings are valid, and we all process these tragedies differently. We're asking instructors to plan for both sets of students as we finish the semester. We will be communicating decisions early this week so that families can discuss and plan their individual response over the Thanksgiving break. We learned a lot during COVID, and we have many course delivery options our faculty can deploy to meet student needs. Student and employee safety remain our priority. We have increased security patrols on campus since we were notified of this off-campus incident. We've also benefited from increased Idaho State Police presence on our campus, which we are grateful for. They have been very visible for, they have been a very visible force and they will continue this dedicated presence on our campus into the foreseeable future. Importantly, they have also assigned resources to the community since this cr crime occurred off campus. In addition to the campus-wide precautions being taken, we offer the following safety and security feature features in our residence halls. Uh, we will continue our safe walk, available 24 hours a day, seven days a week. All residence halls are locked 24 hours a day and only accessible by students that live in the building. All guests must be accompanied by a resident of the building. Each residential community has a dedicated resident assistant staff and a live-in full-time resident director to help ensure a safe environment. Every evening, there are resident assistants that are on duty to perform safety and security rounds in, the, in their area, including during fall break. <coughs> Housing and resident life 
always has at least two full-time staff members that are on call to provide support and emergency response 24 hours a day, including over the fall break. And our, our Learning um, Center Information Desk is, Living and Learning Center Information Desk is, o is open 24 hours a day and will be open all of fall break for our students' needs. While we certainly hope there is a swift closure with the arrest of whoever is responsible for this crime, we must also be prepared for all the possibilities, including a lengthy investigation. We must balance safety concerns and the need to grieve along with the long-term needs of our students and our employees. We're making security our top priority. We are also planning for the very real possibility that some students aren't comfortable returning to campus. We will do our best to meet the needs of all students. Our faculty is working hard over the break to consider alternative delivery methods. We will also continue making counseling services available, available for all our students and employees as we process our grief. The care and concern for our Vandal family is our primary role, and we take that very seriously. We are a Vandal family, nothing means more to us than family. And I'd also like to just thank um, all those and the, for the great outpouring of support we've received from the nation. It's been incredible time, and, and all those who stand in solidarity with us just know it, it means a great deal to us. Thank you. So we're going to open it up at this time to about eight to um, ten questions. We ask that only one question is asked per person, please. Um, and I would also like to just see if there's an Argonaut reporter here. Um, I think it's only fair to give our student um, reporter the first shot. Speak up if you're in the room, if you're from the Argonaut. Hey. Are you from the Argonaut? Are you from the University of Idaho Argonaut? Is anybody from the University of Idaho Argonaut? Okay. Good afternoon, I'm Ted Williams, Fox News. Uh, you all have said that the, these uh, killings are targeted. Can you share with us why you believe they are targeted uh, killings? And uh, do you know who, if any of the victims, were the actual targets of the uh, killings? Um, as we stated earlier in the previous press release, uh, our press conference, we believe they're targeted um, because we take a totality of all the circumstances that we're looking at. Um, do we know any one person that it was targeted? Um, we're not uh, at, uh, able to say at this point in time um, due to our investigation, but um, we still believe that. Um, but we, like I said, we take a totality of everything that we're looking at. Chief Glenn Mosley, Idaho Public Radio here in Moscow on the resources do you have the resources that you need we, we do have the resources it, it is an incredible um, outpouring of what we received from um, the Idaho State Police and from the Federal Bureau of Investigations and in Latah County anything we ask for is, is given um, so at any time if we need additional all I have to do is is call the colonel and he will um, provide that um, he's already guaranteed me that um, and I know the FBI um, has said the same thing Hi, Emma Epperly from the Spokesman Review. Um, I know you've said you're not going to release who the 911 caller was, but um, was the killer the 911 caller? I will tell you no. 
clarify, you said it was made from the roommate's phone, but you didn't say the roommate made the call. So did the roommate make the call on the roommate's phone, or can you clarify if it was another individual made the call? Actually, if we could just go to this one first. And well, it's the follow-up. So what I'll, I'll say to that is um, it was made from the roommate's call, or phone, excuse me, um, and we're not going to divulge who made that call. Um, to be, um, it's part of our investigation still, and when we get ready to release that, we will. Hi, Christina Corbin with Fox News. Um, the male subject whom the women called, um, has he been ruled out as a suspect or person of interest? Everything that we have taken from, the, from those calls, um, we have followed up on, we've cleared, and, and we um, believe that uh, there's no connection there. Gotti Schwartz, NBC News. Just following up on the, the 911 call, you said that you don't believe that's a killer. Uh, can you conclusively rule out the person that called 911 from inside the home as a suspect in this case? Can you go ahead and just ask that one more time, please? The person, yeah, the, the person that was inside the home that called 911 uh, that was not one of the roommates, can you conclusively rule that person out as a suspect at this point? I don't think I said that it wasn't one of the roommates. I said that uh, it was used with the um, roommate's phone. I, I believe somebody asked if that was the killer, and you said no. No, it, that's correct. Was, was there someone there other than the two roommates when police responded to the home? So will you clarify that for me? There was other friends that had arrived um, at the location. How many? How many? Honestly, I'm not quite sure at this time, to be quite honest. Do you guys have any idea if the killer's still within the community, or are you looking outside the community for the killer in terms of their physical location? We are looking everywhere that evidence would lead us. Um, I can't say if the person's here. I can't say what community the person's in. Um, we're utilizing every resource we can to uh, make that location of that individual. Um, and part of that is the safety of our community is paramount. And that's why we brought in the resource that we brought in to keep uh, our community as safe as we can. Being so close to the border, does that make it kind of automatically an interstate investigation? Can you comment on that? I cannot comment on that. I'm not even aware. If you look in Washington at all, I guess. For we're looking everywhere. I'm going to take two more questions. Do you still believe this was this was this attack was done by one perpetrator? And if so, how does one individual kill four people at night and not wake up the other two roommates? Our um, investigation will continue to look at all avenues of that investigation. Um, I cannot disclose um, any of that information. I don't even know that information at this point in time, and that's why we're continuing to investigate. We do not. One more question. Hi, uh, Angela Palermo, Idaho Statesman. Um, in the press release yesterday, you confirmed that the victims were found on the second and third floors of the home. Can you say which of the victims were found where? Um, I'm not going to go ahead and disclose that information. They were found on the second and third floor. And um, that's as far as we're going to go with that part of the investigation, too, because all those key pieces um, do come to play later. So we do thank you. Um, we thank you for meeting with us. We thank you for um, helping get information out. And I can assure you we will continue 
um, to work hard. We will continue to do everything we can to solve this. So thank you. Again, guys, I just wanted to play that for you because I am not sure that everybody follows the press conferences, and sometimes it's easier if it's just on your podcast feed. So thank you very much for listening. This is a case that is completely uh, up in the air at the moment, and we basically have to sit back and let the investigators and the authorities do their thing, hence why I am not editorializing any of this, and I am not putting in any of my two cents. Let the investigators do their investigation, and just be aware that if you live in the Moscow area in Idaho, then please be uh, you know, cognizant of your ring doorbells and the video cameras that you may have in place to protect your home, because uh, those may be a break that uh, lead to the finding of this killer. So again, thank you for listening, and uh, let's just hope that uh, these families can find some justice in the coming days. Hi, I'm Matt Harris. Seton Tucker and I host the podcast Impact of Influence, which for two years covered in depth Alec Murdoch, who was eventually convicted in 2023 of murdering his wife Maggie and son Paul. That story continues to evolve, and we will cover that. Plus, we will tell you stories of other true crime events that have happened in the South. Please join us on Impact of Influence. And give us a follow on the Impact of Influence Facebook page. From DNA testing to the Dixie Mafia, Crime Capsule brings you new stories of true crime in American history. I'm your host, Benjamin Morris. Join us for exclusive interviews with authors from Arcadia Publishing, writing the hottest books on the most chilling stories of our country's past. You can find us wherever you get your favorite podcasts or on evergreenpodcasts.com. Crime Capsule. History so interesting, it's criminal.